The Human Podcast features weekly service audio from the Unitarian Universalist Metro Atlanta North Congregation of Roswell, Georgia. Please visit us at human.org. My name is Mandy Winders, and I'm a member of this congregation. On behalf of Reverend Dave Dunn, my fellow worship associates, and the technical team who made today's service possible, I would like to welcome you this morning to Yemen, or Unitarian Universalist Metro Atlanta North. We are a liberal faith community, and no matter who you are, where you're from, where you are in your spiritual journey, or who you love, all are welcome here. If it is your first time visiting, we are so happy to have you with us. Please go to our website at human.org for more information. This morning's service is a lay-led service about the life and legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and the role we play in continuing his fight for racial justice. Please join Human tomorrow, January 17th, for a day of service in honor of Martin Luther King Jr. Day. We'll be volunteering at the Dunwoody Nature Center from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. We'll be outdoors and masked. This volunteer opportunity is available for all human members and friends ages 12 and up. Please sign up via the evite that was sent out on human announcements and is also available on the human website and our Facebook page. If you have any questions, please contact Elizabeth Rohan. We hope to see you there. Reverend Dave wanted me to pass along a message he received from Shannon Pickerel at Family Promise. Shannon writes, I just wanted to send out a special note of appreciation to all the human folks who helped last week at St. Luke's Presbyterian Church. We feel extremely blessed to have human as a participating congregation in Family Promise. Not only did your congregants step up to provide dinners and overnights, human was a huge contributor to making wonderful Christmas for our families last month. Thank you again to Yuman. We truly could not do it without you. Yuman is exactly who I think of when I think of Family Promise being a community. So thank you to everyone who helped last week with Family Promise. Now please join me in the lighting of our chalice. This morning's chalice lighting words are titled Until All Means All by Erica A. Hewitt. The chalice as a symbol of Unitarian Universalism arose as a beacon of hope in an atmosphere of tyranny. The chalice arose as a sign of promise that the marginalized would neither be forgotten nor ignored because they are beloved and precious from the perspective of the holy. This morning, we remember all of the people who have been told explicitly or implicitly through police violence or government policy, through derision or dehumanization, that they're anything less than whole, anything less than beloved. As we each light a chalice in our homes, may we make our lives a beacon, a symbol of our promise to draw the circle wide, a sign that we will not rest until all means all. Prayer for Martin Luther King Jr. Sunday, 
by Kathleen Rollins. Spirit of Justice, God who befriends those who stand upon the constant edges of decision, crucial and alone, we are grateful to be together this morning. We gather especially to remember Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., but not only him, for there were thousands of unnamed women and men who put their bodies and lives on the line so that all may be free. And yet freedom comes at a cost, and we know that racism and homophobia, ageism and ableism, sexism and classism, all of these often unacknowledged realities prevent us from knowing one another fully, from creating the beloved community spoken of by prophets and ordinary persons alike. May the work of Dr. King continue to eradicate injustice wherever and whenever we encounter it. May we continue to speak out against injustice, to speak even if we afraid, are afraid our words will not be heard or welcomed. May the spirit of Dr. King continue to flow through our daily living. May we have the courage of Dr. King as we continue to stand up for justice, reconciliation, and truth, despite challenge and controversy. Dr. King went to the mountaintop. He saw the promised land, and he reassured us we will get there one day. May that be no paradisal dream, but a reality in our own time. May it be so. Amen. Now is the time of the service when the love that binds us together is spoken aloud. If you have a joy or sorrow that you would like to share this morning, please type it into the chat now. I will drop a pebble for all the joys and sorrows that are too tender to escape the folds of our hearts. And let us keep one another in our thoughts for the coming week. A Network of Mutuality by Martin Luther King Jr. We are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality tied to a single garment of destiny. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. There are some things in our social system to which all of us ought to be maladjusted. Hatred and bitterness can never cure the disease of fear. Only love can do that. We must evolve for all human conflict a method which rejects revenge, aggression, and retaliation. The foundation of such a method is love. Before it is too late, we must narrow the gaping chasm between our proclamations of peace and our lowly deeds which precipitate and perpetuate war. One day, we must come to see that peace is not merely a distant goal we seek, but a means by which we arrive at that goal. We must pursue peaceful ends through peaceful means. We shall hew out of a mountain of despair a stone of hope. Hi, my name is Elizabeth Rohan, and this morning I'm going to share with you some of my reflections about volunteering on Martin Luther King Jr. Day of Service. It is the only federal holiday that is actually designated by law as a day of service. I don't always get myself together early enough to organize humans' efforts for service on MLK Jr. Day, 
but I did this year. We'll get back to that in a minute. But I volunteer on MLK Day and I encourage others to because MLK said that the, the most pressing question that we can ask ourselves is how do we serve others? And I think that that is a way that a lot of us um, derive meaning in our lives by doing something that's helpful to others, not just to ourselves. So um, one year I did, did organize volunteers to work at Human for a day. We painted the youth room, the senior youth room. We painted some areas that had recently been repaired in Discovery Hall kitchen. Um, I think we had about 20 people that year. That was great. Um, in previous years, my family has volunteered at the Chattahoochee Nature Center, doing similar things to what we'll be doing uh, tomorrow at the, at the Dunwoody Nature Center, removing invasive plants, clearing paths, doing other work like that to make the Nature Center more enjoyable for all. Um, and also to help uh, preserve the planet. Um, one year we went with the Callens to Fur Kids in Chambly, where we read, yes, you heard me right, read uh, to the cats because uh, the cats um, needed socialization. So they wanted us to read to them to provide human voices. I took a step further and I sang show tunes and I'm sure that is not surprising to anybody who knows me. Um, I will report to you that the cats did like the show tunes. So um, that was one of the more unusual days of service that um, I participated in, or that we participated in. So the good news is, is that for 2022, I did organize myself early enough to organize a day of service for MLK Day for human. The bad news is that it may snow and um, the Dunwoody Nature Center might cancel our day of service. So please look at your emails from me um, this evening. The Dunwoody Nature Center will make a decision by 5 p.m. and they will email the organizers. So they'll I will receive an email by 5 p.m. tonight, Sunday, letting us know whether the day of service is still on. And I will then email human announcements and all the people who signed up um, and let you know. So I plan to be there unless they tell us to stay home. But um, I am looking forward to our day on. I hope you are too. Thank you. Racist or anti-racist from a speech given by Ibram X. Kendi. Ironically, Americans who self-identify as not racist, whether they're conservatives, moderates, liberals, radicals, progressives, they don't realize that we're connecting ourselves to a history of slave traders who self-identified as not racist, although they didn't use that term. We're connecting ourselves to enslavers who said, yes, when we say black people should be enslaved, when we say slavery is a positive good, when we say slavery is a necessary evil, when we say that black people are the cursed descendants of Ham, those are not racist ideas. That's God's law. That's science's law. That's nature. That's logic. We don't realize we're connecting to Jim Crow segregationalists who said, I'm not racist, it's separate but equal down here. You can't tell it's separate but equal, we're following the law, we're not racist. We're connecting to eugenicists who are really the first group of Americans to be classified as racist, who also turned around and said, this is science, this isn't racism, this is science. We have empirical data to demonstrate that black people are intellectually inferior by nature. Just look at their test scores. 
And today we have white nationalists. We have white supremacists who self-identify as not racist. We have white supremacists who, before they go into a Walmart in El Paso, Texas, write a manifesto claiming that Latinx immigrants are invading Texas, and then also claiming, I'm not racist. We have a long history of racists classifying themselves as not racist. Racists who cannot imagine that they have been reinforcing notions that there's something wrong with a particular racial group. Racists who can't imagine that the policies and the policymakers they're supporting are creating and reproducing racial inequality. Fundamentally racism, its heartbeat, has always been denial, and the sound of that heartbeat has always been, I'm not racist. To be more specific, the sound of that heartbeat has always been, not racist. And so, in writing how to be an anti-racist, I've had one singular goal. If I could somehow shape the world, what I would hope would come out of this book is very simply, we would eradicate the term not racist from the, from the American vocabulary. And then it would force people to recognize that they're either what? Racist or anti-racist. It would force Americans to recognize that all policies are either racist or anti-racist. All ideas are either racist or anti-racist. Then we can truly have an accounting of ourselves, of our ideas, of our policies, and of our country. Because at some point, we're going to have to stop denying that we have metastatic racism. Because if you didn't already know, it is literally killing America. It is literally killing the world. The three lethal weapons that are threatening American existence and human existence are, of course, nuclear war, climate change, and bigotry. The Flawed Understanding of Martin Luther King Jr., an essay by Asia and Sanow. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was a radical. He was called the most dangerous man in America by the FBI and had a 17,000-page FBI file at the time of his death wasn't just KKK members or those in positions of power who disagreed with him or hated him. As Cornell West explains in his book, The Radical King, by the time of King's death, most of the country did not like him. West reminds us that the civil rights leadership was trashing him, the white establishment had rejected him, and young black revolutionaries were dismissing him. Over the course of his life, King was not a man who was loved by most, in fact, he was hated by a select few. He was an incredibly maligned man by the time he died, and yet we never talk about that. Instead, we praise and honor him and hold him up as the highest standard of the struggle for justice. We as a society measure all who struggle for justice against Dr. King, but not against who he actually was. We measure those who struggle for justice against who we have decided Dr. King was, a sanitized version of the actual man. We tell activists that their protests are too unruly, their demands too harsh, their voices too strident, and their methods too stringent. We have decided as a society that there is one way to struggle for justice, and it's a way we like to imagine King's struggle for justice, even though it's not the way he actually did all the time. In the summer of 2016, protesters took to the streets around the country condemning police brutality and proclaiming that black lives matter. As has happened over and over again with these sorts of protests, many people criticized their methods and tactics. At a press conference, Atlanta Mayor Kasim Reed stated, Dr. King would never take a freeway. Yet, does anyone remember the powerful events King organized, such as the march from Selma to Montgomery, the one that entailed several hundred people walking down a highway, crossing a bridge, and blocking cars? The flawed understanding of King is everywhere, 
and it has seeped into our society's understanding of what is acceptable or appropriate in the struggle for racial justice. Thank you. In an effort to fulfill and further the vision and mission of this congregation, we ask that our members and friends bring forth and share their many and varied gifts. With this, we will now take the offering using the Giblify app. Growing up, every MLK weekend, I watched the movie Boy King. I believe it played a few times a day on TBS throughout the long weekend. I've always been inspired by Black religious leaders, starting with, of course, Martin Luther King Jr. When I grew into my teen years, the Malcolm X biopic became part of my Black religious leader rotation. Something that I loved about both movies is they spent a lot of time talking about the journey and making of a leader. When I was married, one of the first gifts that my ex-husband gave me after our union was a picture of Malcolm X and MLK shaking hands. This became a prized possession and decorated the walls of our home for years, inspiring me, helping me dream. Like every life, every story of a Black religious leader has moments of great pause. And whether I am moving toward external worldly greatness or greatness in creating transportative balance, ease, and tranquility in my own life, I have reached time for a pause. Some of you know that I have been in a space of steadily declining health. Right after Thanksgiving, I experienced major vision changes. I've been hospitalized and my healing has plateaued in a way that does not satisfy me. I have reached time for a pause. I'm stepping back from my position as DRE and membership coordinator at UMIN. Today, MLK Sunday, I'm reaching out to say my goodbyes. For me, it has been a year unlike anything else. I was so excited and full of joy when entering this community. And that feeling cannot be compared. I'm so excited for you to offer that feeling again and again, be it through an opportunity to join the staff team or just opening your doors and allowing someone to find their first faith home. If nothing else, please always keep in your heart that this community together has the capability of creating great change in the world. And with that, I step back into the faith at large to begin my moment of pause and great healing. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. 
These we carry in our hearts until we meet again.